right, let's see. Let's see. Here we are. Cooking with gas. Just want to make sure. I'm live. Hi, everybody. Holy fuck. Hi, everybody. My name is Luke Thomas. This is the UFC 235 post-fight show. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, as always, all right, if you don't want spoilers, now is your chance to get out of them. And, um, oh, you know what? Before I do this, so I don't... You know. Hi, everybody. My name is Luke Thomas. UFC 235 post-fight special. Appreciate you guys tuning in. As always, please give the video a thumbs up if you can. Please uh, subscribe to the channel. So, wait, subscribe here. Yeah. If you want to get a question in, donate in the super chat right here. That'd be so awesome if you did. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining me. Man, what a day I've had. Yeah. My wife's baby shower, but really it was kind of like both our baby showers. So I've been drinking since, um, shit, uh, three, uh, but I'm actually not that hammered. So we'll get this done. Um, if you don't want spoilers, not, you know, there's no point to be here. A uh, couple of news, or I should say a couple of, um, disclaimers. Uh, this is always brought to you by the Beta Academy. The Beta Academy is a great place to train in Washington, D.C. Uh, when I train, which I don't right now, but if I did and when I have, it's where I go. Uh, I got a lot of friends there. It's at the corner of 14th and Florida Avenue Northwest. Uh, phenomenal for uh, Muay Thai, for Jiu-Jitsu, and of course for strength and conditioning. So give them a try. And if you go and you're in town, please tell them I sent you. They always love that. I uh, appreciate that. Okay, so uh, where do we want to go from this? This was an interesting and kind of a weird night. There were moments of um, great acclaim, and then there were moments of just total weirdness where nothing kind of really fit the way it was supposed to. So as I mentioned before, you want to get a question in. The way to do that is going to be to donate in the super chat. Let's get to some of the results. Here's why, like, tonight was a little weird, where the main event was a little weird, the refereeing was a little weird, I thought the commentary was a little weird, to be honest with you, I didn't, you know, there's been, it, if I mentioned that Joe and Dominic don't really mesh all that well, this wouldn't be the first time that someone acknowledged as much, but I thought it was really on display tonight, I actually did not really enjoy uh, Rogan's commentary tonight, now, um, I'm a big Rogan fan, I think he's been instrumental for the UFC, I thought he missed a lot of what was really important today. Uh, and I thought Dominic was really pretty good about it, actually. And you're going to say, oh, Luke, you're biased towards Dominic. Yes, yes, of course I am. But I thought that there were just ways in which he was just objectively wrong, uh, Rogan, a, a, a number, like, uh, observably wrong a number of times. But we'll get to that a little bit later. Where do we start? All right, let's start with the main event, of course. Uh, John Jones defeating Anthony Smith. By the way, as I mentioned this, We'll get to the co-main event. I saw it just before we went live. Brett Okamoto from ESPN tweeting that he heard, and uh, it's going to be Colby Covington getting the next title shot against Kamaru Usman. We'll talk about it a little bit later. All right, let's start, let's start with the main event. John Jones taking on Anthony Smith. John Jones wins 48-44, uh, 48-44, and then 48-44 over five rounds. In other words, he didn't surrender a single round. And he, he won one of them, uh, at least what would have been 10-8, but 
I have to see what the judges scored it, but in any event, um, he had two points deducted for, there was a moment there where I thought he had actually kicked Anthony Smith while he was down, and they were using the old rules where he had his hand planted, uh, even though the, if the knee wasn't necessarily, so he had two points deducted for it, but it didn't really matter in the end. Kind of amazing, you can have two points deducted and still win unanimously to the point where your opponent only can amass 44 points in a five-round fight. Um... What do you want to say about this one? First of all, here's what I know is going to happen. And I'm not saying it's deserved. I'm not saying it's not deserved. Daniel Cormier has always maintained that John Jones has used performance-enhancing drugs. Now, he doesn't quite explicitly state the intervals, but he makes it that, like, that he has used quite explicit. And... He notes that one of the reasons why the performance against Open St. Prue was so poor was he believes that was a time where John was actually not using. Now, again, I'm not here to relitigate some of these old debates, but here's what I think is going to happen. What's going to happen is folks are going to look at this Anthony Smith win and they're going to say, yeah, you know what? And we'll talk about this in a minute. Anthony Smith did a lot better than people's expectations, especially given the odds on this fight. Who had him winning, not winning, but um, going five full rounds like not many people right um some people are going to say and again i don't i don't really have a strong opinion one way or the other about it but i know it's going to happen some folks are going to say that anthony smith uh benefited from a john jones who was being tested ad nauseum by these various testing agencies and that's why it was kind of a bit of a lackluster performance is it true is it not true I, I encourage you to make up your own mind, but I feel like that's going to be a thing. It's going to be a thing on this one. It's like, okay, you got it done, but you got it done in a relatively unimpressive is not the right word, but workmanlike sort of steady performance. It's like, how do you finish Cormier in two and a half rounds and Gustafson in two and a half rounds and you go five with Anthony Smith? It's not to diminish what Anthony Smith is or has done, but... Is he even as close to being as accomplished a light heavyweight as Daniel Cormier? No. In fact, you know Daniel Cormier dusted Steve Miocic inside of a round at heavyweight. You would have to think he would probably do very bad things to Anthony Smith. Again, one never knows, but you know how, how does that happen? Now, part of that is that in those two cases of the finishing, Jones was in a rematch. I find that in a rematch scenario, Jones borderline impossible to beat because in a rematch scenario Jones just has so much information that he's processed about you already he has so many decisions he's already made about you he has so much understanding about you already that I don't think it really phases him about what you do he kind of just knows how to navigate the space I think that's what you really ran into in those two particular scenarios and not this one and not the OSP one you know maybe if, maybe if uh, he rematches Anthony Smith they have a similar kind of scenario. I'm just pointing out, I know what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen when he's got these picogram situations constantly uh, a part of any fight week experience, whatever they're supposed to mean. And then you have this sort of like relatively, again, not lackluster, but relative to expectations, this fell quite short, I think, of what some folks had expected. Again, look at the odds, plus 600 underdog, minus 900 plus a favorite for John Jones. Like there, there, there's a gap there between that expectation and that reality. 
So let's just sort of get to the front of this issue. That's going to be a huge component here of, uh, I think, any post-fight discussion. And I'm tired of adjudicating how, like, relevant it is. I don't even know, man. I really don't know. You know, if y'all want to make it a thing, I'm not going to fight you on it. If you don't, I don't know how to parse it anymore. You know, you, you, it's easy to parse when you're not sitting in a chair where, like, the audience hears what you have to say and the fighters themselves hear what you have to say. And it's like, I'm not deterred from pissing people off. I do it all the time, but... <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how much it matters or doesn't. I don't know what the scenario is there. So it's weird. As for the fight itself, I do think that Anthony Smith deserves a lot of credit. I think Anthony Smith did a lot of things well. So, for example, here's one thing that I thought would be so much different. Um, historically, Anthony Smith has, the, I think, sub 30% takedown defense rate. I thought for sure he would be taken down. He I mean, he's been taken down so many times by guys with much less takedown def, uh, ability. Even Volkan Uzdemir got him down pretty easily uh, from the clinch, where he has this tendency to overcommit sometimes because it's a strong position for him. But he has this tendency to overcommit at times, and uh, John couldn't get him down really. Not like that. He got him down a couple of times, of course, but not nearly with the same aplomb that I thought he was going to have. So... In the end, it didn't matter. Look at the scores, right? Uh, but I, I was I was surprised by that. I thought I thought Anthony Smith did a really good job of establishing hand control in the clinch scenarios. Like here was the problem with the Anthony Smith's game plan, as I can best understand it, having just watched it and not examined the tape afterward. My best understanding of it is. He did a lot to cover for his own weaknesses that I think he was aware of. He did a lot to mitigate some of the strengths that Jones had. But there was still this gap in between. And then in, a, in, in an effort to minimize some of the strengths of Jones, he kind of hindered himself too. The clinch was a classic example. If you had watched the Monday Morning Analyst from last week, one of the main things that we had noted was Anthony Smith is very strong in the clinch. There are a couple of vulnerabilities he has there, but it's typically a pretty strong position for him. And so in that space, what I thought he was going to do was uh, find that home for that right elbow or, or any number of other opportunities. And what he ended up doing was occupying himself with hand control on John. Now, the good news about that is it, it reduced John's ability to really go for the takedown or advance offense in a meaningful way. The bad news is it really also limited Anthony from doing the kinds of things where Anthony really can flow. Like Anthony's style is kind of predicated on not so much defensive mindedness. It's predicated on a little bit of that. Of course, he's not utterly unconcerned with it, but it's he's got an offensive style, man. That's what Anthony Smith has. Like when he's at his best, it's driving forward. It's on the blitz. It's in combination. It's in the clinch. Um, it's at boxing range. That 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 is where he does typically his best work. And so this one was really interesting because he really shut down. I think a lot of the things John was expecting to do, but in the end, Anthony Anthony did a great job in not letting those get too far out of hand. But in the in but by doing so, he 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 kind of handcuffed himself. Uh, 
I think a little bit. So, you know, it's, that's what that's the challenge in facing John Jones, right? Like you got to pick your poison. Oh, right. Okay, I'm going to take away that. I'm going to take away that. I'm going to take away that. But in order to do that, I have to take away this and that and that from my own game. And as a consequence, he still has that much extra on top. That is my initial read, having just watched it. It was a, it was a good game plan from Anthony Smith in the sense of, let's identify uh, uh, my weaknesses and his strengths and where those two might end up, or his weaknesses in, in particular. But it was just too defensively centric. I mean, listen to his coaches and what Mark Montoya were saying, or, or I should say was saying to him, between rounds, like, bro, you got to move forward, man. You got to bite on that mouthpiece. You got to get offensive. You got to know your why. A little bit of Robert Griffin the third kind of talk there. You got to figure out what, like, why you're doing this. And um, obviously, that, 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 you know, that wasn't enough, but they were imploring him, imploring him to, like, do more on the offensive side. Like, get out there and go do that stuff. And uh, he just couldn't, you know, especially in the fourth and fifth round, a little bit at the beginning of the fifth. But he couldn't really get out of there, which I was I found surprising. It's like it's so easy watching to be like, oh, Anthony, go out on your shield. But Anthony doesn't want to go out on a shield, man. Like, I think he wanted to legitimately out clever John. And I think that they thought in that camp that they had a lot of good reason to think that they could mute some of his strengths. And I think in some ways they were kind of right. They were kind of right. They could actually do that. The problem is they couldn't balance both. They couldn't balance muting John's offense while bringing to life their own. They could do one or they could kind of do the other, maybe, but they couldn't do both. John is John is a hard puzzle to solve, man. Peaker Grams or whatever else you want to say, he's a hard, he's a hard puzzle to solve. And uh, Anthony Smith gave his damnedest on this one. Again, I uh, the clinch is where Anthony Smith is strongest and. Vulcan Uzdemir took him down there. I thought John might do it as well. He couldn't. Not really. That was very, very impressive by Anthony. That was one thing I thought he did really well. Uh, one thing I will take, uh, oh, it's, not, it's not credit in the sense that I can say that I had any effect on the fight itself, but one thing I said, if you watch the uh, Monday Morning Analyst, I was like, man, if he's going to get underneath, you cannot play in full guard. And you could see he didn't do much of that. He was either shrimping to escape or, excuse me, <sighs> He was either shrimping to escape or he was playing active or he was going to turtle. You saw him turtle a lot. One of the things I've noticed from Anthony, he, you saw it in the um, in the penultimate round in Vulcan Uzdemir and then several times in this one. He likes to get in these like sort of like defensively. Do you guys know who uh, Eduardo Tellis is in jiu-jitsu? He's the guy who's the inventor and the developer of the turtle guard where you sit in turtle, where you're on your hands and knees, right? Not feet, hands and knees. And you kind of anticipate attacks and you have a series of attacks and defensive uh, opportunities from there, right? It's called the, the, the turtle guard. Anthony has a bit of this sort of like turtle mentality, not forever, but like he'll make a go and a round. And then if it doesn't work and he ends up in turtle, He'll kind of hold position there and then wait for his next opportunity rather than like expending energy to fight to the top. And frankly, given how the fight went, ordinarily I'd be very much against that. But given how the fight went, I don't think that's necessarily all that bad of a call, to be quite honest with you. I, I, I did not think that that was necessarily crazy. Um, it just wasn't enough. It just wasn't enough, man. You got to have enough to beat John. You can beat John in this way 
a little bit that way, diminish him here a little bit. But to get over that hump, man, it you got to get a lot of different pieces moving, and it's really, really hard. But, you know, I think Anthony Smith should hold his head up high. He went five rounds with the best light heavyweight the sport has ever seen. He went five rounds with maybe the best fighter we've ever seen. He went well beyond expectation. I think he showed a lot of people he's deserving of far more respect than he was given. He was outgunned. He was outmatched. He was overwhelmed in the end. But I have a tremendous amount of respect for Anthony Smith, man. And I always have. And it was just too defensive. He's not a defensive fighter. He's not a defensive fighter. He's an offensive fighter. You're going to win. you got to be on that level. And he just... I think he's. I think he was consumed with his own weakness, um, not generally, but the specific ones. And he did a lot to cover up for him, and that's admirable. But they're going to get the job done against a guy like uh, John Jones, man. And you saw the result as a consequence. All right, let's talk about that co-main event. Holy shit balls! Again, thumbs up on the video. Subscribe to the channel, donks. Always appreciate that when you do. Always love that shit. You know what I'm saying? All right, let's get to that co-main event. Wow. <laughs> Kamara Usman is a problem. He's a problem. Now, as I mentioned, as I started at the beginning of the show, it turns out from a report from Brett Okamoto that Colby Covington is going to get the next title shot. Colby Covington really lucked out. So um, let me make a comment about Colby before we get into this fight. So I, I, I put this out on Twitter earlier, and I think a lot of folks initially rejected it. But I think I think they kind of came around to it a little bit um, in the end. I don't know exactly how we're ultimately going to judge Colby's lobbying effort in Las Vegas. I think we're probably going to judge it very successfully. Number one, it turns out that someone from UFC staff, probably Dana White, uh, texted Brett Okamoto or told him, "Hey, Colby's next." On like right after the main event was over. Like, they're right on top of this, okay? They want that guy next. Kamar Usman, I asked him about it when he was in my studio on Monday. And he had really positive things to say about it. Like, he wanted to get that fight and make it happen and yada, yada, yada. Um, Colby flying out to Las Vegas. The execution, if you didn't like it, fine. A lot of it was kind of ham-fisted. But, you know, rolling up on Dana on live Facebook, whatever the fuck it was... You'd be like, oh, he got shut down. Yeah, but like Dana had a five-minute conversation with him after that. Colby got on my show. He got on Submission Radio. MMA Fighting talked to him. He got headlines everywhere. Dude, like Colby made a shitload of news all by going down there. Like, oh, his shtick sucked. Okay, let's 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 posit that his stick, his shtick is terrible. By the way, it's not stick, it's shtick. Let's posit that his shtick sucks balls. So what? The effort is not to make you like it. The effort is to affect change as it relates to his fortunes. Now, I can't say for certain that it did, but I can say that he flew down there, and in a weekend where a lot of people would have ordinarily forgot about him, they didn't. They didn't. In fact, it looks like he had secured his position to be next in line. And now, maybe that would have happened. In fact, um, I, I, I thought that like Askren winning and... Usman winning with all the momentum Askren had built would have potentially resulted in a scenario where Covington got passed over, but 
Turns out not. Turns out that that the UFC was so moved by what he had done, or it seems that way anyway, that they decided to, to, to move in that direction. So I'm not saying, I'm not asking you to grade how entertaining what he did in Vegas was. I'm asking you to grade how effective it was. And that's a little bit still up for interpretation. But it certainly wasn't a disaster. It certainly didn't backfire. If what Brett Okamoto was saying, and that in fact he is next in line, at a bare minimum he kept what he already had. And I, and I honestly think he improved his chances with all of that. I really do. He got out there and made noise. Now, as for the fight itself, Kamara Usman defeats Tyron Woodley at 50-44, 50-44, 50-45. Bro, he hung a 10-8 on him on two judges, and he took every single round. Whoa. I mean, Kamara Usman, <laughs> all that shit about, like, Marty from Nebraska, it's fun, right? Because you had Tyron ganging up on him, and you had Ben ganging up on him. And by the way, Ben might be a bad matchup for him because Ben can match him in a lot of ways. We're going to end up seeing. So, um, you know, he's far from being out of the woods yet. You have to respect what Tyron Woodley has done as a welterweight champion. But people had used all of the fun things that Ben and Tyron had said about him, the old LL Cool J licking the lips thing and Marty from Nebraska and utterly discounted his chances. Yo, you had to know, you had to know Kamara was a bad matchup. If you listen, and you can listen for free for 30 days, if you click in the description box below, if you had listened to the Luke Thomas show, we had talked about this ad nauseum. Dude, Kamara Usman was in many ways a very bad matchup for Tyron Woodley. The issue going into this fight, Tyron's like, I'm a better wrestler, I'm a better striker, and I have better submissions. And if you asked Kamaru, and I did, if that was true, the funny part about it was Kamaru didn't even really deny it, dude. Kamaru wasn't out there being like, oh, that's not true, I'm better at submissions, I'm a better striker. I'm a... Even in his post-fight speech tonight, Kamaru Usman was like, I may not be the best at this, and I may not be the best at that, but when it comes to mixing them, I am the best. I'm the best welterweight, blah, blah, blah. Like, he doesn't even deny that those things are true. What he denies is that ultimately that's going to dictate who wins. And typically, skills do win fights. But here's the problem. Tyron Woodley, if you go back and you watch the Darren Till fight, dude, he is faking with level changes. He is fainting all the time. He's doing all this stuff. He was doing none of that against Kamaru. He was obviously concerned about the takedown threat. He was concerned about what kind of effort he was constantly going to pitch at him. Dude, he was he was very preoccupied with the offense that Kamaru had. And it reminded me a little bit of like McGregor, a little bit of McGregor and Habib, where everyone's like, oh, Habib just laid on him in the first round. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. He drained him in that first round. That's what he did. He took his power from being the most dangerous to a little bit less. And from there, he worked his way down. And, and, and McGregor had some rebound moments, of course. But what he did was he just drained him. How much blood can I leak from you right now? I will take whatever that is. I'm going to pull that from you because I know that you make different decisions when you're tired and you're hurt. And you can say, Luke, everybody does that. No, most people do that. You know who didn't do that? Noguera. Right? Antonio Rodrigo Noguera, when he was hurt and he was tired, it did not change his calculus. 
maybe a little bit, like any human level. But that was who he was. He did not change who he was. Kamaru Usman just took one round or situation after the other and just drained him, pulled the blood from him. And so over time, he could get to the moment where he had him mounted, where he could get take high, not quite high amplitude, but authoritative, let's say, takedowns. Shots to the ribs over and over and over and over and over again. Dude, Kamaru Usman, again, we talked about it on the Monday Morning Analyst, right? One more time. Who are the two fighters in UFC history with 10 takedowns and 100 significant strikes in a single fight? Cain Velasquez against JDS. Kamaru Usman against Rafael Dos Anjos. Oh, but Luke, Tyron Woodley's not Rafael Dos Anjos. Yeah, you're right. Here's the problem. He cannot deal with the amount of offensive volume he can just lay on top of you at some point. It simply becomes suffocating. And Kamar Usman's got some refinement issues. He was following more than cage cutting in certain portions of that fight. I don't think he knows. Not knows. That's not quite true. Finishing is still a, a skill that I think he has to work on. Uh, letting his hands go a little bit more, um, uh, uh, progressing in certain wrestling positions is still a thing that I'm sure is something he's going to continue to work on. But, dude, just the amount of of weight he lays on somebody, just the amount of pressure he puts on them like being constantly in their face. Dude, ask any black belt, ask any high-level striker, ask any wrestler – how many times that they lost a fight, a match, whatever, a sparring session, whatever, against somebody that they were better than and they were putting it on them and then they just ran out of gas and the other person won the whole thing. You will you will find the highest levels and mid-levels and low levels where that is all true. Dude, he has perhaps in a sport where conditioning is so critical to success – People always talk about like, oh, what about strength? What about speed? They're important. But what about the ace in the hole that something like that is? Dude, Kamaru Usman, he has like perhaps the most incredible ace in the hole ever. He just simply gets better. And there were moments there where Joe Rogan was like, oh, Kamaru Usman's tired. Really? You think so? I don't, I don't, no, I don't, I don't buy that, Joe. I think he said at the end of the fourth, he's like, oh, he spent a bunch of energy. Yeah, he spent a bunch of energy. He might need a moment to collect himself, but no, that's, he, it would take much more than that for him to be tired. Right? That's not, we're not, we're not close to tired on this one. Mm-mm. So, so I didn't really uh, buy that at all. Um, he's your new welterweight champion. Kamar Usman's incredible. You know, you think about the rest of the division, who's going to beat him. Ben Askren actually is the most interesting challenge I can think of. Colby's an interesting challenge, too. I think Colby can stop a lot of his takedowns, and he has a lot of offensive volume to throw. And Colby likes to come forward, so there's a real question of, like, who's going to come forward more there. And the UFC really botched this by not maximizing the rivalry with Tyron Woodley and Colby. Although you get something similar to it with... Usman and and Covington, you kind of get a little bit of that where you get this sort of uh, you know all American MAGA guy versus uh, um, 
you know, your, well, Woodley was a hated champ, wasn't he? Right. Until the very end. Only now in this like last, that the, the Darren Till fight afterwards. And now that I see a lot of folks taking his side. Uh, so Usman picks up that role. I think by a lot of people are like, Oh, this sort of like hated or, you know, whatever champion you want to say, but, um, they botched that UFC. They could have had that one, and they they dropped the ball. But uh, Tyron Woodley, man, he just couldn't get anything going. You know, the one thing you have to sort of consider is that Tyron Woodley is a much older athlete than I think a lot of folks realize. He's, what, 37? Right around there. Uh, like, it's like St. Pierre's age. You know, St. Pierre's out here calling it quits, and they're asking Tyron Woodley to fight Kamar Usman. You know? And remember, all that D1, D2 shit, like, it wasn't that Tyron is wrong. D1 is more prestigious than D2. But it wasn't that Kumaru was wrong either. There are some D two guys out there, and this wasn't a this wasn't a wrestling match. This was an MMA fight. But there are D two guys out there that can just put it on you, dude. Kumaru Usman, if you cannot put him away early, he's he's just going to win late. Nobody has his offensive volume in the fourth and fifth round. In fact, now that I mention this, I wonder if we have some stats I can look at. I would love to do that. Let's see what fight metric has for us. By the way, did you notice they changed the name of fight metric online? It's now UFC stats. It's kind of fun. Uh, all right, so let's look at these. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. He demolished him. Yo, Kamar Usman demolished him. Uh, here's what the numbers are. Tyron Woodley landed 34 of 51 significant strikes. Kamar Usman landed 141 of 194. Kamar Usman is credited with two of six takedowns and seven passes. Oh my God, that is a that is a rout. Jesus, look at the strike differential round over round. Woodley's best round was round three. He landed 14 strikes. In that round, Kamar Usman landed 45. Three times as many. Kamar Usman landed, uh, let's see, by target, 39% to the head, 58% to the body, and 1% to the leg. And then you had Tyron Woodley going 35, 52, and then 11, respectively, in the same consideration. Man. That is a drubbing. Good Lord. Impressive, right? Impressive. Super impressive. Kamar Usman, just, and, and I made this point on my radio show. You had Kamar Usman who had to deal with all the negative things that Tyron Woodley was saying about him. Now, that's not unusual. An opponent, particularly a decorated champion, is not necessarily going to say nice things about you. Okay, fine. No problem. But... On top of that, you had Ben Askren saying all that Marty from Nebraska th- stuff all the time. And that by itself is no big deal. So to a degree in good fun. But still, something you have to acknowledge and deal with during the course of your camp and your training and everything else. Then on top of that, the guy who apparently he has to fight next shows up, but he didn't know at the time, shows up to his workout with a bullhorn and a belt and heckles him. Dude, he was getting it from all angles. Like, Anthony Smith was getting a lot of hate, even from the media, being like, oh, why are you in this? Like, Anthony Smith, um, here as the uh, resident member of the media, what's the difference between you and this bucket of shit? 
the bucket. And Anthony Smith's like, what the fuck, man? Like, why am I answering all these questions? He didn't have to deal with exactly that, but he had to deal with other contemporaries in his division going after him at all time. Here is why they went for the Marty and Nebraska stuff and why they went with the LO Cool J stuff and why Colby Covington showed up and he heckled them. Dude, because they recognize that Kamara Usman is a threat. They all recognize Kamara Usman is a threat. And they don't want they don't want to deal with that. Who would? That was what all that is about. It's fun to be like, oh my God, they chewed him up. Who chewed up who in the end? Who's going home with the belt in the end? Who who won the argument in the end? You know, we'll see how things go against Colby and against Ben Askren or whoever. And here's the thing I liked about this fight. Who on earth would claim that Tyron Woodley is deserving of an immediate rematch? I know he wants to run it back. On what planet would you want to see that? What on earth did he show where you would like, yeah, let's run that back. Yeah, let's 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 run that back. Let's do that again. He lost every round. And he lost one of them 10-8. He showed, I won't say nothing. I, 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 he put up his best effort, but... There was, there was not, it's, it's the same with the Steve Miocic situation. It's like, what was there to hang a hat on? Nothing. Cody Garbrandt should not have gotten the immediate rematch against TJ Dillashaw. But at least in the first fight, he dropped TJ at the end of the first round. What is there in this one? With Kamaru and Woodley. What do you point to and go, oh, you know what? If he can just do more of that, he can win. What is there? There is nothing. It was a route. It was an unadulterated route. There are some polishing issues with Kamaru. There's some finishing issues with Kamaru. There's a lot of maturation in terms of the the, the 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 fine details of his game that you could get. Yeah, some of that's missing, but all the rest of it, it's all there, dude. It's all there. Amazing to watch that. Right, pretty wild. Uh, let's talk about Ben Askren. Ben Askren defeating uh, Robbie Lawler via Bulldog choke at 320 of the first round. Uh, very bad stoppage by Herb Dean. Um, people think when anybody says, oh, that referee had a bad stoppage, that's a referee that shouldn't work anymore. Not necessarily. I think refereeing is harder than we could ever imagine. And that doesn't mean you can uh, not let enough criticism matter to make a different call about who should be there or not. But Herb's got enough good calls that he should remain in that position. And he's got some bad calls too. I don't know how you do that job without some really bad calls. It's 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 very hard to do. Now, in this one, I don't I don't know how defensible it is to be quite candid with you. He had the bulldog choke, he had the gable grip. I'm assuming he had I have to go back and look, but I'm assuming he had it with uh, the choking arm palm down, but I'd have to go back and look. And um, he pulled the arm up of Robbie. Well, first of all, Robbie's arm didn't go limp, limp. Uh, His body weight didn't sag, right? It all kind of stayed where it is. And even if it doesn't sag, it didn't move forward. It kind of stayed where it is. And when he pulled the arm up, it stayed where it was too, like... I get that. Look, here's the thing, man. Herb Dean is trying to make insanely difficult calls in good faith in real time. You know how hard that is to do? This is why I'm like, oh, uh, replace Herb Dean. Nope. 
Herb Dean is a fine referee, and the game is better off for using him. But that doesn't mean every call he makes is good, and it doesn't mean that this call is quite defensible because it is not. It's a bad call, man. It's a real bad call. Dude, there are any number of reasons why you might take an arm off and make it limp for strategy where you don't want to burn energy or I'm not going to keep it up here. I'm going to drop. Like I had uh, Seth Smith at my house tonight. Seth Smith is the proprietor of uh, Upstream BJJ in Richmond, Virginia. He's a Ryan Hall black belt. And he was saying to me, he was like, what was Herb doing? Like you take your arm off and down in any number of grappling situations, particularly a bulldog choke where you, where that's a, that's a technical move, but it can be a muscle move, particularly from a wrestler where they want to drive their hips forward and they want to sink, right? How do you get a bulldog choke? If you, if let me see if I can see myself here a little bit. Bulldog choke. Okay, how do you get it? You don't just want to have the choke here. I'm gonna, oh, I'm gonna squeeze my balls off. Ah, da, da. You actually want to squeeze, 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 and then drive your hips forward and lean a little bit, right? Is it, So the further you can go in this direction, right, where you can go, if your head is this way, head is this way, waist, or waist is this way, you want your waist to go forward, or for you guys, you want your waist to go forward. You want to really uh, drive it in, right? That's how you really sink any kind of bulldog choke like that. Um you know, there's a question about how far along he was in that process. It wasn't even necessarily over the over. It was um, over the jaw, and people were like, oh, you see all kinds of rear naked chokes over the jaw. But I was talking about this with Seth tonight, dude. He goes, look at what all. He's like, people get this wrong all the time. There are chokes on the jaw that you can do, but really, what people are doing is they put it on the jaw, and then what they do is they clamp down. They, what they do is they clamp down and then pull their shoulders back and up. That's what Crone does. That's what Demi and Maya does. They go, they grab the bicep, they come here, they go down almost like a total crunch and then lift behind them. That's how they really get it. Hold on, what we got here? Um, that's their method. That's their method. And I realize we're not talking about a rear naked choke in this situation. I'm merely pointing out, like, you have to kind of have some kind of maneuvering around the jaw, I think, in that kind of a position. That's a lot to ask from somebody in real time to like adjudicate all that, which is why I'm saying it's like, was it a good call? No, it was not a good call at all. It was a terrible call. But uh, you can understand why a terrible call might be made in a situation like this. If you get enough terrible calls or they get worse than this, then you sort of reevaluate the position. But like generally speaking, Herb does great work. This was just not a great example of it. And I saw some people being like, everybody saw that at, that uh, Lawler was out. Speak for yourself. I didn't see that. There was no point anyone in my living room was like, oh, he's out. Then that bulldog choke was tight. And when the herb broke it, I was like, well, wait a second, was he? I didn't see anything. And then they played it. And sure enough, no. But every, this argument, like everybody saw that he was out. No, you saw that he was out. You thought he was out. It wasn't like, that wasn't a real thing. So don't don't paste on top of me what you think you saw. As for the fight itself, Askren, I thought, did a pretty good job of doing what Askren does, except for the early parts where he was taking an absolute beating. In fact, why was he taking a beating? Because it, it turned out Askren was getting his wrist controlled by one hand and Lawler was bombing on him with the other when he was able to free himself from that and then reverse position and get on top. And then, at, and then you saw Lawler go to his base, and then that's when the bulldog choke happened. 
Um, but there was a time there where I thought that fight was perilously close to being stopped. He got, he got, Lawler went after him. Lawler went after him a little bit, for sure. Uh, but you know what? I'll give Askren a, a ton of credit. What an amazing turn of events to take some shots like that and then come back. That, that was the hardest I'd ever seen anyone put it on him. He'd taken a lot of punishment like in the Jay Huron fights or even, I don't know about Carl Amasu, I can't remember at this point. But there's been fights where like this this accumulative damage really kind of wore on him a little bit. But, you know, for a, for a short sprint... I don't know that anyone ever heard him like that. So for Ben to take that and turn it around, and and by the way, it's not his fault that Herb called that call. It's not his fault at all, man. He's just out there fighting the fight, and maybe the Bulldog... And by the way, that doesn't mean the Bulldog choke wouldn't have even worked. It just means by the point that they stopped it, it hadn't done it yet. So I, I, I give a ton of credit to Ben Askren. That was an amazing display of skill, an amazing display of heart, an amazing display of wrestling. An amazing display of tenacity. Like, it was a lot of things. Um, and Lawler, I thought, had a great attitude about it. Being like, dude, really? Word? <laughs> like, he even dapped up her, being like, I get it, you know? Can't be serious. He was fine right away. Yeah, if you guys really want to go out there and you want to make the argument that, like, oh, this was obvious to everybody, you can tell yourself that. It was not. It's just not a good stoppage, dude. Everyone's crying about the TJ Dillashaw and Henry Cejudo stoppage, which, by the way, was also not great, but more or less understandable. This one, I can understand a little bit of the of the being like, oh, you know, let's not be too hard on Herb. And I'm not asking you to say Herb shouldn't referee anymore, but I'm asking you not to give a failing thing an A. No. No, it's a terrible stoppage. It's a terrible stoppage in every way. Um, and I thought that with this performance, Askren would have guaranteed himself a title shot, to be quite honest with you, had Woodley lost. And Woodley lost. I was like, oh, my God, dude, Askren has been on a rocket ship. And this is what I mean when I go back to the Colby Covington thing. Like, dude, Colby, I think he really did himself a ton of service by coming out here. And I'm not saying he made you love his shtick. I'm not saying any of that. But what I am saying is, was it effective in influencing the opinions of the people who need to be influenced to get into a position to get a shot, yeah, it, it, it appeared to be. It appeared to be. Very quickly, uh, Wiley Zhang taking on Tisha Torres, 29-28 and then 230-27s. Dude, her like, reverse back take was interesting. Her uh, She has good throws from the Wizard. She can match Tisha Torres in physicality, like, some of these Chinese fighters coming out of like the Kunlun fight circuit, you're like, oh, how good are they going to be? Not very good, right? But in the end, man, uh, she turned out to be quite good. Pedro Munoz and Cody Garbant. This was so... Uh, this was frustrating to watch, man. I know some of you people hate on Cody Garbrandt. I'm not asking you to like him, but I think highly of his ability. And just deciding to bite down on the mouthpiece and throw... He gets stopped at 4:52 of the first round. What a, what a mistake that was. Mm. I think he just, and he landed on Pedro too, man. Like he was giving it to him. It wasn't just a one-sided thing, but just to go in there and strategically like throw caution to the wind. And now you got three losses in a row. When a couple of years ago he was a fighter of the year contender, he went from unranked to like I think champion in a year, calendar year. 
and then to go out there and just like I'm going to throw caution to the wind and I'm going to win and not move my head and just throw like what Cyborg did against Amanda Nunes. It was just, it was an L he didn't need to take, man. If like, look, if Pedro beats you because just Pedro beats you, eh, all right. That's the game, right? But just to lose like that, that was unnecessary, man. That was totally unnecessary. Uh, very quickly, uh, Zabit Magomed Sherpov defeating Jeremy Stevens, 29-28 across the board. Not a super strong showing from Zabit, but I think overall he showed the he was the more talented mixed martial artist. Johnny Walker defeating Misha Serkinov at 36 seconds of the first round. I tweeted out like right before the fight, I was like, you know, Serkinov is one of these guys who could take him potentially a long time, and therefore you get a real assessment of this guy. You know, beating Justin Ledet in like 15 seconds or... Um, Khalil Roundtree in under two minutes. That's not nothing, but I want to see somebody take him the distance, right? And you're like, oh, well, Serkinov's enough of a proven commodity where that can happen. And then Walker goes out there. And, dude, people – here's the thing about Walker. People are like, oh, he's weird and unique, which is all true. He is super athletic, and he has this incredible athletic dynamism that he brings to the cage. It's unpredictable. It's a little weird. It's a little different. It's a little hard to to, uh, to game plan around. you got to be very careful with that guy. And a lot of these guys are not. And he's tearing them up. Dude, push him to the front of that division, please. Because just giving him the guys that they've been giving him at this point is a waste of everybody's time. Uh, Cody Stamen defeating Alejandro Perez. Diego Sanchez defeating Mickey Gall. That's a real setback for Mickey Gall. Uh, Edmund Shabazian, who appears to be amazing, uh, defeats Charles Bird. Macy, I always mispronounce her name, Chiasson defeating Gina Mazzani. And then Hannah uh, Cyphers defeating Pollyanna Viana. Pollyanna Viana, man, that was the one that beat up the mugger. And then she lost this one. All right, if you got a question, let me pull this up. Put it in the super chat. And then, of course, subscribe to the channel, as always. All right. Let's see what you guys, let's see what you donks got. All right, let's see here. Oh, there's a bunch of y'all. Oh, shit. Okay. First of all, salute. Appreciate you. Someone says, cheers. Nice to see Diego do well. Yeah. I think he's taken probably way too much damage way more than is advisable. Um, but we don't have any really great health screenings around brain health as it relates to title, not, not title, excuse me, license worthiness. So here he is. Will you give your kid a Hispanic name so you can correct Anglophones about the pronunciation for the rest of your life? Just to annoy you? Yes. Uh, my last word on the topic, screw MMA refs and refereeing. Herb Dean is terrible. Made a bad call. I wouldn't call him terrible. Apparently, Mark Goddard is a moron. Why is Mark Goddard a moron? Okay. <laughs> Someone writes, Tyquil Woodley versus Kamaru Snoozman. That's a Colby Covington classic right there. Uh, ben Askren versus Kamaru Usman. Who do you favor? That's that's the toughest fight I think Kamaru can face because that is where you could see Ben getting overwhelmed if it went long enough. Uh, but that's where you can see Kamaru 
being where, where his lack of technical refinement could get him in trouble. That's perhaps the most interesting fight in that division right there. So Covington should get the shot because Covington is deserving of the shot. But if you're asking, like, what's the most interesting fight, it's that one. It's Askren versus Usman. It's the same scenario that you had with Woodley, but with Askren, somebody who is um, obviously not overall the fighter that Woodley is, but sharp enough in that wrestling department to really cause some cause some problems. So it says, man, Tyron looked off tonight. Dom Cruz was right. Dude, Woodley is 37 years old, and you guys can make whatever you want of like the, um, oh, Marty from Nebraska, LL Cool J shit, dude. All that stuff was just projection because they knew that that guy was a threat. How is it that all the rest of us can look at the tape and be like, wow, you mean he can land 10 uh, takedowns on 100 significant strikes on one fight? And the rest of the fighters just fucking yawn? No, of course not. He looked at that and was like, shit, dude, that is not a great matchup. Uh, or at least that portion of it is something I need to be absolutely concerned with. And you saw why he was so concerned. Uh, MMA deserves better refing than this. Herb Dean and Mark Goddard were both horrible tonight. Sick of hearing excuses for bad refing. Here's the best question for this. It's not that Dean and Goddard are above reproach or that in certain circumstances somebody else could do better. Um, show me the referees you would sub out for those two, generally speaking, to get the exact same or higher levels of quality. And maybe you can name some referees, but I can't. So, um, well, you could say Big John, but he's not active. So, they're there because there's no real alternative. Don't have a question, but congrats on the baby. Have a beer on me. Need John Jones to go up to heavyweight or fight you all, Romero. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Uh, I'm worried you will have too much on your plate soon. Soon? Bro, I've had too much on my plate for the last eight months. Uh, any chance of moving the MMA hour and the beat to D.C.? God, what a fucking dream that would be. Oh, my Lord. Huh. Luke, where do you stand on Harper? I think you mean Bryce Harper. Also, if you can, where do I stand on him? Good fucking riddance. Dude, when Jonathan Papelbon choked that idiot in the dugout, I couldn't have been happier about it. Fuck Bryce Harper. Have fun in Philly, dude. Your your deal is interesting, but not as impressive as I thought it was going to be. Um, have fun batting 200 four months into the season and the, uh, playing 82 home games in a city where they eat feces to celebrate a Super Bowl win and throw and, and barf on Santa and, and uh, uh, barf on kids, excuse me, and then boo Santa. Enjoy. Uh, he says, uh, the anti-doping crisis in sport book was a great one. I'd love to see more of that. All the best. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. <laughs> Who'd win in a Taekwondo match? Kyle Snyder or Trevor Prime Trevor Burbick. I'm going to go with Prime Trevor Burbick. Someone says, I thought Lawler was out as well. I'm not mad at Herb. Okay. Someone says, love all the content. Thank you, sir. Someone says, are you just as intrigued as myself to see Usman versus Covington? 
Besides the simple storylines to grasp onto, Colby's MAGA hilarious and entertaining shtick. Two wrestlers with insane endless cardio. Yeah, that should be an interesting fight. I still think Askren poses more imminent danger, but it's a tough fight and an interesting fight for Colby. Hey, Luke, thanks for the content. Who would reasonably give John his toughest fight at lightweight at heavyweight? I would have said Kane, but not so much since Phoenix. Um, God, DC, Stipe, Francis? I don't know. I don't really know. God, I'm so tired. Someone says, I love seeing hardworking people grow more successful. Well, thank you, sir. Thanks for the analysis. Thank you, sir. What are some new shirts coming out? Uh, I've been, Judd and I have been talking. We just haven't got something set up yet. Uh, do you think Woodley's loss tonight was more of a lack of skill versus Usman or a bad night? No, I think it was a, I think it would go that way nine times out of ten. Didn't seem like himself after the first takedown. Uh, right, you can't, I mean, okay, maybe he has some injury that I don't know about, but. Provided that's not the case, again, I'm doing this in real time, so I don't know. But provided that's not the case, uh, I would expect to. Do this, so, not all of this, but a portion of this was predictable. You had to know that if Woodley didn't sleep him in the first two rounds, this was not going to go his way. Uh, with Usman, Askren, and Nurmagomedov dominating their division with nearly perfect records. Does this put the wrestling-focused fighters ahead of the game? They've always been ahead of the game, man. There's nothing new. Congrats on the kid. Best of luck. Squat greater than dead. Only in numbers. ESPN cards have earlier stoppages, i.e. TJ or Cowboy Hernandez. Askren would have lost via TKO on ESPN. Any thoughts? No. With such an amazing ascension, does Johnny Walker become the contender in the light heavyweight division? Uh, light heavyweight division? Absolutely he does. Absolutely he does. That They need to push that guy right to the front of the division. The mic is in some need of fixing. Yeah, maybe. Usman beat the holy hell out of Woodman. Yes, he did. Tyron Woodley's built-in tendency to go directly against the fence was a liability. If you're not afraid to wrestle and you're good at a variety of attacks, that seems to be a good way of dealing with Tyron Woodley's game plan of going behind the fence. I think it's also you have to know that you can push deep into a fight, right? Uh, Chael Sonnen talks about weaponizing pace. Guys like Holloway, Ferguson. But Kumaru is next level, mixing takedowns and strikes and putting that on a pace. Yeah, it's 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 relentless. And if he gets better at cage cutting, and he gets better at about feints and entries, and then progression from like over-under to something else, He's going to be an absolute handful. Someone says, keep up the good work. You have a good corner in the market. Thank you, sir. True or false? Usman will destroy Covington. False. He might win. Not if he's going to destroy him. Habib will rematch McGregor in November. False. Amanda Nunes will box Clarissa Shields after retiring from MMA. I'll say true just for the fuck of it. Israel Adesanya versus Musasi. Any thoughts? Musasi's takedowns might be a problem for him. 
Why did Tyron and Smith look like dead men walking? Because they were facing two champions. So it says, "Keep." I've uh, been watching your stuff for a while. Keep killing it. Thank, congrats on the baby. Thank you guys. On a different note, I was super impressed with Smith's takedown defense. Yeah, I was blown away by that. That was like the biggest surprise, man. If you look at um, Smith's numbers, of everything, the the thing that suffers the most uh, numerically and and st- statistically is his takedown defense. And it looked really good. When will Hot Take Tuesday come back? It won't. ESPN should sign you. I appreciate that. Folks, I have... I have good news and I have bad news. The good news is I'm going to keep doing this. The bad news is if you're expecting me on ESPN anytime soon, you can give that shit up. I had Dana White booked on one of my shows through a uh, no, I booked had a booked on um Luke Thomas show through some kind. Of, there's like these radio services that book like these guests and they they do uh, they put up these like feelers to all these radio stations and and shows and. Um, you know, if you express your interest, they'll get back to you, and they won't necessarily book it for you, but they will. Uh, you know, they'll put you on the list, and then they put us on the list, and then eventually, after that, got back to us and said, "Oh yeah, all right, you guys are, you guys are in." And then, like the day before, he canceled. You know, it's like, why did he cancel? It's because these guys don't want to go on my show, right? Do uh, I've said it before? Do, there's no if what you care about in MMA media is getting ahead and making a name for yourself do not tell the truth do not tell the truth about the powerful do not tell the truth about what actually happens it is not popular they will ostracize you from the game they will push you out there's no real benefit to it now i've not been completely ostracized but i've been given a heisman i think by most of the entities um now they can't completely force you out you have situations where the youtube where they where you can keep your own platform but if you want to make it if you want to get rich or you want to like make a name for yourself here's my best advice do not tell the truth because there is no market for it none there's no market for it um there's barely a market for clicks on it it really depends on the situation but there's no market at all for truth none like i'll I'll be on a tv network never I've, i've completely given up the hope um it might happen in the future. You never know, but it's like St. Pierre, reti- you know, coming out of retirement. Like, well, I don't want to compare myself to St. Pierre, but you know, in terms of the likelihood, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It's like winning the lottery or something. Like it would take it would take it would take the chances of being struck by lightning eleven times or wherever the kind of thing is. Uh, how do you see the Canelo Jacobs fight going down? Can Canelo stop Jacobs? I don't know, man. I thought Jacobs actually beat Triple G, but. Is Canelo going to, like, hang back like he did in the first fight or, like, drive forward like he did in the second Triple G fight? I don't know, man. I don't know. It's a tough one. I really don't know. Uh, Any more questions here? Here we go. Let's see. Here we are. All right. I think that is it. All right. Let's do this. One more time. Subscribe now. Donate the Super Chat if you can. But more than that, just give the video a thumbs up. I always appreciate that. I am so fucking tired. (laughs) I had, uh, God, man. I did, uh, what did I do this week? 
Monday did MMA Hour. Please watch MMA Hour on Monday. I always appreciate that when you do. Then I did my radio show. Then Tuesday I did my radio show. Then Wednesday I did the two-hour talk with Mike Dolce. Then my radio show. Then Thursday I did my radio show and MMA Beat. And then Friday I did Adam Shine show. And then my show. I am fucking tired, man. I am fucking tired. I am so tired. Um... I'm not out here laying bricks for a living, man, but I am just worn, I'm worn down. All right. Thank you guys so much for watching. I really appreciate it. Salute to everybody. You guys are the best. Really appreciate any donation. Really appreciate anybody liking the video. Really appreciate any subscription. Congratulations to John Jones, your UFC light heavyweight champion. Congratulations to Kamar Usman, your UFC welterweight champion. I'll be back on Monday with the MMA Hour and the Luke Thomas Show and everything else. If you want to listen to uh, SiriusXM, 30 days for free. Link in the description box below. And, um, yeah, man, that is it. Appreciate you guys tuning in. I'm fucking tired. I'm going to go to sleep. I'm, I'm done. Goodbye.